Hello, and welcome to Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Dice Don't Die's Deep Dive. Tonight, we're diving into another class discussion. So, grab your spell book and your favorite longsword. We're talking about everyone's favorite spell sword, the champion. Tonight, I'm talking with Beth. What? What? No. Hang on. What's wrong? Wasn't that wasn't that was our first one that we did? No, that was wizard. Are you sure? But we've done we've done we've done champion before. That was a that was a weird way to pronounce Magus. I've never heard it like that before. I'm pretty sure that's not everybody's favorite. We're gonna do a second class discussion on the champion. Let's go. Whoa, guys. No, no, no. <laughs> hey. No. Mm-hmm. Alright, fine. We'll do the stupid Magus. Anyway, tonight I'm talking with Beth. Hello. <laughs> there we go. David? I was like, maybe, maybe we're not talking with Beth. <laughs> not anymore. Hates me enough not to do it. Ayo. And Sarah. Hi, guys. You haven't done enough of the rituals to summon me yet. <laughs> All right, but before we get to talking about the champion, I mean Magus, I will uh, give it over to Beth to talk about another topic she has. Okay, so got a fun starting topic for us this week. Do any of you follow Pathfinder 2 Twitter? No. Why would I tweet? Not really. I actually tweet a lot. <laughs> I, I've seen a little bit over the last, like, couple of weeks, but that's really it. Oh, no. I love following meme Twitter and especially RPG memes. And there's a couple, especially a couple weeks, uh, that have really been cropping up. And it has to do with one of the variant rules. Now, uh, variant rules, especially this one, the uh, free archetype variant rule. For those of you who uh, hang out on the forums, that's not going to be something uh, you haven't heard of, right? It is very popular. Uh, on the Paizo forums as something that makes your character a little more well-rounded. And I thought, now that I had some experience playing with it, that uh, we could actually give some thoughts on that role. So first, what is it, right? So the free archetype uh, alternate rule is that at second level and every two levels after that, you get a free archetype feat. So the generic rule just states any dedication. Now, you still have to follow the rules of that dedication. So most dedications say, like, if when you take this, you have to take two more from this archetype before you can get another archetype, right? So uh, you can't just pick and choose of all the feats, right? You have to pick kind of a concept and work through it. And this is 
uh, the the dedication feats are what they have decided multi-class looks like, and they being Paizo, right? When you multi-class, that's what you're doing. You're taking these dedication feats. And we've talked about that before, right? You can take these feats uh, as part of your uh, class pr progression, or, or not class, but uh, character progression. But free archetype just gives it to you. Now, this really started uh, gaining popularity when it came as part of the Strength of Thousands AP, which uh, avid listeners know I'm actually running. So that's where I got my first exposure to it. And now uh, I have uh, another game that I'm planning to add it to, because uh, I like it so much. And you'll also know that David is in that game. So as an example, David, if you wouldn't mind yeah, uh, going over what you did for your character for that campaign, for the free archetype stuff specifically. Okay, well, j just for other... Just so you get the whole picture of a character. I did go with a cloistered cleric. Uh, so I already had a good amount of spell casting, but it was divine spell casting, which, you know, one of the spell casting traditions has to be the worst in terms of damage. <laughs> so here we are. But uh, the rules for Strength of Thousands was that you had to take a wizard or druid. Is that correct? So that is correct. Strength of Thousand, out of the box, it's one of those two dedications. Now, I opened it up to anything that gave you arcane or uh, primal spellcasting. Right. But it's still, you had to pick one of those. Yeah, and you know that I think that was a super cool way to do it, Beth. Kudos. Um, so I went with uh, a druid multi-class, mostly because um, I'd already played a wizard for so long, and like I, I, I thought that if I took just a tiny dip into the arcane spell casting tradition, like I'm not, I'm just going to spend my time trying to pick, you know, my one my one arcane spell for the day, whatever. So I went, I went with the primal one. Plus, you thought I, if you uh, did drugs, you'd get addicted to the drugs? I thought I Kind of. The drugs in this case being arcane magic. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I wouldn't be able to get any more, so yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be getting the shakes or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, but also, like, you know, I never played Druid, so get get a little taste of that, too. And it also really fits with uh, the campaign, because we're in the middle of the Mwangi expanse. So everything's jungle or trees or whatever. So good place for a druid. Yeah. Uh, I really like it because it allows the characters to expand a little bit, but not in super powerful ways. Now I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to say that it doesn't buff the characters a little bit, but I think it doesn't really buff them, per se, so much as make them more well-rounded. And I will say, Strength of Thousands can be a brutal AP. 
Uh, yeah. I have almost killed people multiple times. Yeah. I'm so surprised. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sarah, Part of it is, have, is I'm really good at critting. You have no idea, Sarah. <laughs> oh. Don't I? I feel like uh, our, our game has been rolling dice for us so horribly. But yeah, we have an idea of how close we can get to death. When we're up against the best. <laughs> so I don't know how bad this other game is. Yeah, how brutal right. are you, Beth? If, if we hadn't remembered the correct death rules, I would have had a character die in less than a round. But you can't do that, actually. You have to move their initiative order, and I, we had forgotten that. And yeah, mm. like, legit, he, he had failed his fourth death saving throw and was dead until we remembered oh wait you can't die actually well you well, I was going to say you can do it if you do like double his maximum hit points in one attack well that means instant death no so what I did I crit him and he was already wounded one so he was at dying three and then his ah. turn was immediately after the guy who had hit him and he failed mm -hmm. his saving throw, his death saving throw. That's how he okay. did it. But I then see. we were like, oh, right. That's why you move the person to before their turn. Because it gives the whole team a whole nother round to, to heal. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's pretty brutal. Uh, but in fairness, I'm not the nicest GM. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. But anyway... I wanted to talk about Free Archetype because it has, in the Pathfinder community, kind of reached a meme status where people are tweeting memes about it, people are talking about it a lot on the forums. So I wanted to sort of give my two uh, bits, which is mostly, I don't think it's absolutely necessary, but I do think that it creates more well-rounded characters. I don't think that you as a GM are going to notice that much of a power shift, but your players are going to feel like they have access to more cool shit. And then the character making minigame just becomes more interesting. So, yeah. But that does allow me to talk about another variant rule that is related <clears throat> very different you want to talk about a power increase let's talk about dual class pcs do you guys know what dual class pcs are i bet you can guess it's where you I, have two classes you have two class sorry but it's not <laughs> multi-classed uh -uh. no they're two full classes so you when you please, level up please explain uh, so when you level up, you take the best options from each class and smash them together. So one of the the examples in the Game Mastery Guide is uh, a Sorcerer Wizard or a Cleric Ranger. Wait, but if you take the best options from Sorcerer Wizard, just get a Wizard. Uh, <laughs> no, you, get, you get five 
prepared cantrips from the wizard, and you get three spontaneous uh, level one spell slots from the sorcerer. So, excuse me, let me let me say that again. So you get three level one spell slots from sorcerer and three prepared slots for wizard at first level. So you just get more spells. And some uh, of them are spontaneously okay. cast, and some of them are prepared cast. Okay, I, I, mis- I misunderstood. I thought it was like each level you you took one or the other, but each level you get both. Yes, you get both. It's like if you get expert in reflex and then mastery of reflex in one, but not the other, you would get that expert of reflex. How do you handle like uh, health and all that? Is it just you get the, the health boosts of both? Or just uh, you actually you just, get you just get double get HP high. every level? Wow. Is that what it well, says? That's, that's awesome. Something. No! <laughs> oh my god, I didn't know if you were making that up. No, it says use only the higher hit points per level of the two classes. Man, that could get really uh, Same with skills. Apply the skills automatically granted by each cast class, and then apply the larger number of additional skills. Yeah, it's super cool. All right, uh, Beth, however, we need to change up some of the rules for our game right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I want, want some dual PCs going on here. Come on. I will say this. You talk about a power increase, this does. The mm-hmm. big thing is the HP, right? You still have essentially the same amount of hit points. So, and and you still have the same action economy, right? So you, you've still only got three actions to play with instead of if you were playing a sorcerer and a separate character, a wizard, you would get six actions, right? So there are definitely some downsides. But I can tell you guys from experience, it is a blast to play. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you about little bitty baby Beth. So little bitty baby Beth in her college attire decided that all of the people in her college were idiots and she didn't want to play D&D with them anymore. And so I started my very first family group. Mm-hmm. Uh, my then boyfriend uh and my younger sister and we played what at the time we called gestalt so we were playing in uh D 3.5 edition uh, but it was the same thing it was the dual class uh variant rule and we would do these like little bitty short campaigns and we would take turns gming And you get seriously some dumb combos. (laughs) I built some ridiculous characters. Mostly big women who hit things hard with giant weapon. All right. It's my type Uh, of woman. Right? (laughs) Big same. So (laughs) I played a lot of uh, Barbarian uh, with Sorcerer thrown in. I found that to be kind of a, a fun uh, mix. Yeah. Now, mind you, with with Pathfinder, these are going to work a little bit different. But I still think that could be 
really fun, especially if you take a lot of buff spells. You're constantly buffing yourself while hitting things a lot. So yeah, uh, that eventually led to me inviting more people of my family and my first ever Pathfinder adventure path. Uh, I We ran the first four books of Serpent Skull. All because my sister and my boyfriend didn't want to play D&D with the jerks at college anymore. <laughs> Take that, jerks. Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. So, if you ever find yourself with a kind of smaller group, I would actually say that looking into dual class is kind of a fun thing. You, you try it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, I say that terrible things could happen, but yeah, it's I mean, just a the game. end of the campaign, you know, pretty right. Uh, I do have an idea for the worst dual class option. Investigator oh, no. Oracle. No, mm. absolutely mm. not. Why would you even say it? I don't like that. Honestly, that's like offensive. I hate it. Do you want to have the most complicated turns every turn? Investigator Ranger would also, in my opinion, be very complicated. I would agree. Because you got to hunt prey, and you got to set your target for the knowledge thing that investigators have that I don't remember right off the top of my head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The stratagem. Yeah, no. That's too many actions. Uh, in our current campaign, yeah. didn't Jesse go from investigator to ranger instead? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Yeah. But maybe I should have just let you guys be dual class. No. Uh, it would have been cool, but also I think uh, starting dual class at level one is the best option. Starting dual class at level 15 kind of scary <laughs> yeah it seems maybe not go- the wisest i i our go-to was always level 10 but we at that point guys i was such a huge nerd i knew so many was? of those books by heart hey <laughs> I mean, nerd is a compliment you had to know it was coming and i did <laughs> but like i even had my favorite books and like i went out of my way to purchase them even after fourth ed had come out but that's because fourth ed was not my favorite in fairness to fourth ed just this is a total side note this is like tangent number eight of the day uh my sister loves fourth ed fourth edition D loves it yeah so not everybody hated it i heard that i'm was glad the we found hated edition one person who didn't hate it. No, she really didn't. When uh, I got the books and then I decided it wasn't for me, it was like after six months of playing it or something, I gave her all my books and was like, here you go. Go have fun. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> and you, so you know her. what? Don't don't addition shame people. That's my whole also, thing. Also, yeah. 
Uh, there was a woman in, I think we were at Planet Comic Con, but we might have been at a different convention. This was like when Fifth Ed first came out. She was still running 3.5 games. Huh. No, she was loving it. She had people play with her too. So you know what? You do what makes you happy. I mean, I've got friends who are still playing 3.5. So. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Haven't got uh, haven't converted them at least to Pathfinder yet. Fa- a a mean, first edition. Okay, so I've got a friend. Sorry, not friends who are playing three point five. I have a friend who is playing in someone else's three point five game. It was her first game ever of D and D, so she's like, whatever. But the DM just like he does not like any edition except for three point five. So he seems like a weird hill to die on. Yep. (laughs) But it's you know what? It's fine. Heard heard weirder. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, those are the two variant rules I wanted to talk about this week. I thought it'd be a fun starting topic. Uh, now that, um, I have more experience with it, uh, I can talk about it a little bit. But I guess that should lead us right into the Magus. So... No, No. Chad, no. Come on. I miss my champion. (laughs) Maybe we'll do another episode on the champion. Some other time. But for today, we're going to talk about the Magus. So when I say, let's talk about the Magus, what kind of archetypes come into your mind? And I don't mean the mechanic archetypes of Pathfinder 2. I mean, just like, when I say Magus, what do you think of? I think of characters kind of like Geralt of Rivia from The Witcher. Mm Mm-hmm. So kind of a spellcaster and sword swinger at the same time. Ooh, I will have to admit, that is not something I had thought about. Admittedly, he's also a mixture of alchemists thrown in there, so... But right. That's something he, just t- he got the alchemist-free archetype. Yeah. No, sorry. Oh. I couldn't help it. <laughs> uh, it makes me think of uh, how they portrayed Gandalf, at least in like the, the movies, the Lord of the Rings movies. Yes. He he was not just your uh, any wizard boy. He also could swing a sword and stuff. Wait, any wizard, oh, he was basically wizard. He was actually just wizard, and then pretended to swing the the big sword. Oh, <laughs> he did chop that one what goblin king or whatever. Pretty good though. Well, no, he was he he was he was sword fighting with that fire demon thing. Yeah. But how many hits rod? did he actually get in with the sword? Five. <laughs> the thoughts there, you know? I love the pause and then five. Gotta be, you know? At he said it with such two. conviction. I feel like I'm just going to be like, sure. All right, you know what? Okay, He's fine. a warrior. He's a fighter. You know what? That 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 is that is uh, my key to success. You just say the first <laughs> thing that pops into your head with great authority. Oh, it works a surprisingly high amount of times. <laughs> oh, you guys are nuts. Uh, what about you, Sarah? What do you think about? 
Uh, Chad actually stole mine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Um, but yeah, so... it's it's the person who's got like the big magic fancy sword, but uses the combo of of magic plus sword. I always think of it uh, like, or at least for the past uh, couple years, She-Ra. Yes. yes. She-Ra and princesses, princesses of power. Yes. Mm-hmm. I knew you would appreciate that. Correct. Because she, she isn't just, it's not just the sword, right? It's that she gets access to her abilities through her sword. And she channels mm-hmm. those abilities through her sword. That is what I think. Uh, so, for a more historical answer, right, there are numerous cultures that talk of warriors with mystical powers, right? Like, that mm-hmm. has kind of fed human mythology uh, throughout the ages. But one of the interesting things I found was uh, some different native cultures and native native tribes to uh, the Americas talk about the wise people of their village. Well, the wise people of their village aren't just somebody who are able to mix herbs and be healers, but they were also great warriors, right? Able to slay a hundred men versus, you know, uh what an average one could do. I I don't know. For some reason, those kind of always find a place in my brain space whenever I'm thinking about the uh, Magus. Forgot what class you were talking about there for a second. Dang it, Chad! (laughs) Not the champion. Not today. Anyway. Um, I think Mordred from the Arthurian tales also would count in this because I believe he also count cast um, dark magic curses and stuff when he was fighting King Arthur and his knights. Yeah, yeah. So there's all these great tales uh, throughout so many different cultures and uh, histories, right? These mythologies, and it's just kind of fun. To always think about, well, what if you could hit with a big stick and also shoot lightning out of your fingertips? Yes. <laughs> what if you could However, be Emperor Palpatine, but sexier? Ew. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> no. Gross. Wait, how? Why Raceland killed Caraman in the tower? Sorry. What? Like, one person might get that joke, and they're gonna go nuts about it. What did What did you it's even say? What, what isn't Isn't that why Raceland killed Caraman in in the tower for his his uh, wizard test? What are you talking about? Is this a book series? Yeah, uh, Dragonlance. Oh, okay. Uh, oh okay. my yeah, I never gosh. read that. Me neither. Yeah, you know what? There a, are definitely uh, gonna be fans of ours who are like, "Hell yes!" I hell it. yeah. David gets huge, it. Yeah, that's right. I do. I am a huge uh, Weiss and Hickman fan beyond just that series. That's funny. All right. David, so, David's going to have so many more fans after this now. Yep. 
we're just gonna get a bunch of twitter dms being like oh my god david can we talk about and i'll be like david's not on the twitter sorry guys (laughs) oh geez that's so funny so if we're talking about historical context i I hate doing it like this but uh we have to talk about D &D history on this one so have you ever heard of the term gish no yeah i'm gonna make a gish character nope Mm -hmm. so i had and was like well why is the magus not called that (laughs) copyright let me tell (laughs) you for real (laughs) what for real well incredible Okay, big grain of salt here. Most of my information comes from a forum post from, like, 2018 and a weird wiki article I found, okay? So, like, understand this is not valid sources, but the term gish... at least you're being honest about it. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Right. I'm citing my sources. This will be in the description, too. Uh, But the term gish first appeared in the Fiend Folio and Advanced Dungeons and & Dragons. And it was, you, you gotta remember, we're talking Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. So your class and your race were integrated together. So it talks about the Githyanki, which were a fighter, magic user, hybrid uh, class, class races. And they called themselves the uh gishes or gish and that term has been in a variety of D products since all the way up to uh version 3.5 and so paizo right of it when they went to create the magus at that point they're trying to kind of do their own thing right and they don't want the baggage of what that means uh to their their players right we we want to separate ourselves from dnd at this point maybe not when we first started but at this point yes and so they named it the magus but gish is one of those things that doesn't necessarily fall under the open gaming license because it is so dnd specific so things like um mind flayer are also, like, in the most recent B-series and stuff, Paizo has started giving alternate names to things because they're trying to move away from D&D-specific terminology. Uh, Zolgoths were actually, I think, troglobites? Troglodytes, excuse me. Uh, And stuff like that. So that is why it is called the Magus. At least that's my small amount of research that i did <laughs> wait this that's is a side said. thing but what are they calling the mind flayer now an illithid or is oh, it the okay. other way around i can't remember if illithid thought, is the i thought illithid was the overall race and mind flayers were just part or just like a part of the illithids uh not in that's probably how it is in D, but that's not how it okay. is in pathfinder uh, actually, the mind. I'm... Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go for it. It's a dumb joke. 
We love dumb jokes here on this podcast, please. I, I know, I was just going to say they've actually renamed the Mind Flayer to the Brain Slicer. I love that. <sighs> please. <laughs> I love it. I told you, why did you let me talk? Uh, you know, I didn't want to, but also I hate talking over people. But yeah, I, yeah, I told you to go. I would have said my dumb joke regardless, but I figured you actually probably had <laughs> something to say. Like, Well, I'm just looking up real quick if it's the Illithid or the Mind Flayer. I always forget which one is the like actually copyrighted term. I'm pretty sure it's Illithid. Uh, but of course, I'm not finding it. I, I know I've heard the term Illithid used in like... A 5e podcast. But I'm trying to look too. I don't know how to spell illithid, I guess. Uh, I-L-L-I-T-H-I-D. Actually, I think it might be both. It, so it looks like, like it's just the same. It's a, two different names for the same thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. It could be that they can't use either name, actually. Uh, they can't use uh, beholders either. Uh, Githyanki. So yeah, that makes sense. Those are all like iconic or or uh not under the open gaming license. So yeah, I mean it just comes down to licensing. They can't license a Gith warrior. So cuz they can't talk about the history of it. So they're going to call it a Magus. But a lot of people will still call a Gish warrior. Like I'm going to make a gish style character, right? And that will mean a magic warrior. So, yeah, kind of cool. I thought if I was going to talk about history of it, I should talk about that. But let's get on with the actual Magus. So, just a rundown of the Magus. And, and when you hear something that, I don't know, maybe, maybe triggers something in your head, stop me. Your key abilities are going to be strength or dex. Yeah, there's something right there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I found something. Why not intelligence for a caster? Great question. What? I mean... <laughs> because you're a warrior first. I was going to say, you know how when you train long enough you get muscle memory? You don't need your brain to cast spells anymore. They're all muscle memory now. You're the himbo of spellcasters. You're the jocks of wizard school. Yeah. I hate that. And yet it is so accurate. So good. Man, I, I can't wait to play a Magus. You gotta play it like that. Legitimately. Oh, of course. Oh my gosh. So, I will say this. One of my criticisms of the Magus is I feel it is too reliant on uh, ability scores. Right? Like, you're pretty much always going to be trying to drop charisma and uh, you know, if you're a strength, it'll be dex. If you're a dex, it'll be strength. But, like, mm -hmm. you always want constitution. Literally everybody wants constitution. You have to have intelligence. Uh, to cast spells. Your main is going to be strength or dex, so you're going to want to get that pretty high. So, yeah. It's, uh... 
it's a rough one. But that is why I prefaced it like that, because I, I was hoping uh, one of you guys would be like, hold on a sec. Dex or strength? Yeah. So the way that the build works is it is warrior first, right? So just keep that in mind as we keep going. What else? Strength or dex? Medium armor proficiency uh, that does increase. So uh, you would have to get heavy uh, armor proficiency. Like you could get it through a feat. You don't, your class doesn't have it. That's fine. D8 hit point or eight hit points plus constitution modifier. So not the best, but not the worst either. Right. Yeah, very much an in-between hit point. Not uh, crazy. But if you've got other frontline fighters, like literally the fighter, or as uh, you guys keep putting it, uh, the champion. <laughs> I guess I'm lumping all of you in with Chad now. No. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, we all support the champion. That's correct. Yes. Yeah, so Thank like, you. the Thank champion, you. the fighter, and the gunslinger get uh oh excuse me the gunslinger gets eight but the fighter and the champion get ten the the monk gets ten like the other frontline fighters are getting ten and you're not uh the swashbuckler gets ten uh, yeah but you got magic <laughs> yeah that's true I'm willing magic. I'm willing to sacrifice two HP per level to get Magic. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, you have to take a are... little bit of time to read the books. Like, not not a lot, but a little. Yeah. Actually, I feel like this could be overcome by just reading well in the gym, you know? They probably do. They lift books. Yeah. Oh, Love also, I, I don't know if you were going to get to this, Beth, but there's, there's a whole section in the Megas about um, how Magus's, I think, refocus. And and one of them is legit reading a book while you're lifting weights or whatever. Like, <gasps> I, that is no joke. <laughs> no, it, you're right. I want everyone to know that I made that joke without knowing this tidbit of information. I'm just great. <laughs> <laughs> also planning your next Megas character, apparently. Yes, as we speak. So one of the things that I was a little disappointed in was the fact that they're only trained in Reflex. They're expert in Fortitude, expert in Will, but only trained in Reflex. So I was a little sad by that. Uh, they also don't get a huge number of skills, uh, which we'll talk about later. They didn't really get that in First Edition either. So only two plus intelligence modifier. If we're talking about a, you know, himbo, you know, I was going to critique it saying that it, I wish they'd gotten more skills, but actually I kind of get it now. I, Sarah, I think you made the uh, Megas make more sense to me. I made the connection. You really did. I needed that context. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, jeez. 
So uh, let's talk about the spell casting. Because uh, that's, you know, the main freaking, well, no, the next thing is the main thing. So with spell casting, we do have another wave caster. So we talked about this uh, last week, that a wave caster uh, constantly has, gets, like, loses access to spells as they gain, as they level up. So at fourth level, or excuse me, at, at fifth level, you lose your first level spells, but you gain third level spells. Now, the thing that makes the Magus different is you're a prepared caster. So you still have your spell book and you still have all of these spells in your spell book. But you can't cast them. You can cast the heightened versions of them, and you could take a higher level slot and prepare a lower level spell in that slot. So you could say, with my third level spell slot, I'm going to cast a first level spell. Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. Situational, I'm sure. Yeah. Not a huge fan of that. But that's how it works. Uh, but you don't have to worry about material components. Um, all of your, your stuff is based off of intelligence, like I said. Uh, cantrips are essentially the same. Your conflux spells are your focus point spells, or your, your, uh, focus spells. And you cast these, you can cast them normal, but typically you cast them with a spell strike. Ooh. So the, sp the spell strike is kind of the gimmick of the class, right? Uh, I, I, I say gimmick, I don't mean that in a negative way, right? Like, all of these classes kind of have the, the thing that makes them tick, right? Their flavor. This is that flavor, right? So spell yeah. strike uh, is a two-action... Uh, attack where you channel a spell into an attack. A spell has to be one or two actions and you use your attack roll as your spell attack roll. So what I mean by that is you're going to be making an attack with whatever weapon you have in your hand. You know, say it's a longsword, you fight with a longsword, you roll that longsword instead of making a spell attack. And what this does is it allows you to cast that spell, sure, but also it allows you to do damage with your weapon if you hit. I love it. So, sounds pretty great, right? You make a strike, it's a two-action ability, and both actions, both the spell and the uh, attack count towards your multi-attack penalty, but we'll get in that later. Uh, you get to roll uh, both strike damage and spell damage, but you only have to attack once. You don't have to hit both times. Sounds great, right? Are you about uh, to tell me something about it that's not great, Beth? Because it does sound great. But Beth, what happens great. if you miss your attack? <sighs> great <laughs> question. When you miss your attack, well, it doesn't matter if you miss or not, uh, you... 
you don't lose your spell, right? That's what you're trying to get at, right? Wait, you don't? I thought you did. No, I don't think so. Gives you the arcane trait. Wait, we haven't talked about recharge yet. That is like a basic thing that I should know, and I don't know. <laughs> I thought you kept it. Like, legitimately, I did. No, because I am fairly certain that there is a very high-level feat that makes it so you don't. Oh, wait, no. It, maybe it's a thing where it's like, if you crit fail the attack, then you lose the spell. Mm. For a minute there, I was really scared. I'm still really scared. Because I'm, like, imagining... Now I'm imagining playing, um... Playing Amagus, where Beth rolls really well, like she does all the time. And she's just like, well, just kidding, you have to roll literally an 18 to hit this enemy. And I'm like, okay, well, guess I'll die. I mean, <laughs> we're playing in Fantasy Grounds, so I guess we'll never roll above a 5. So guys. <laughs> Last time I rolled, like, six fours in a row. Nobody likes four. true random. But then I brought out my metal dice, and it was like, well, nat 20s. Oh, look at that. I really uh. don't see it, but you cast a spell, and so there's no reason, I, I, I guess there's no reason you would keep it, because you're casting the spell. So if you miss with your attack, yeah, you miss with the spell, too. It doesn't specifically spe- uh, like pronounce that out, or at least I'm not finding that. But at the same time, like, it doesn't say you would keep it, and that was something you would definitely call out. So, yeah. uh, you yeah. right. You right, David. That's a pretty bad downside to the Magus. Oh, I ain't even done with the downsides. No. There's a lot of limitations with this. Thank God this is not uh, my favorite spell sorcerer class. Spell sword class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to recharge that ability. So you okay? Cannot... But it's like what, like one turn? No, 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 no! You have to spend an action to recharge that ability. Oh, yeah. So there's a- there's actually two ways that you can do it, right? You could spend an action to recharge spell strike, or you can cast a conflict spell. So a, a focus spell. Now, not all focus spells, but the mega-specific focus spells will recharge your spell strike. Hmm. Okay, That's interesting. It. That's something, then. Which okay. means no movement, right? If you want to spell strike two, two turns in a row, you can't move. Because you have to recharge your spell strike. I mean, if you're fighting on the front lines, who needs to move? Your enemies come to you. Right, your enemies no, never run away, or they <laughs> no. never attack your 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 delicate healer who might need Mm-mm. additional help. Never does that happen. Why would it? Unheard of. Absolutely. Uh, so other limitations: it's always one target. So even if it's a multi-target spell, it only attacks the target uh, that you swung against. Of course, feats can alter that. So there definitely are feats that alter that, but base ability, one person. Uh, The reach of the weapon, but I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. No matter the range of the spell, because you're imbuing your sword with the spell, 
like your sword's got to be able to hit it, right? This isn't anime rules where you can literally swing your sword and lightning comes out. Uh, wait, wait till we get to the feet section because we might get. Yeah, that. I was like, I wish it was. Wait, wait till the feats. There's lots of feats for that. Uh, but the extra effects still happen. So if they, uh, if it's a attack spell uh, that you have to make uh, an, a spell attack for, but then also they have to make a will save or something, that still happens. And uh, if it has a splash effect, so say it's like acid splash, um, splash effect still happens. So they still have to to make that save. Uh, but you can't change any of your spells with metamagic feats. So just be aware of that as well. So that's spell strike, right? Pretty great, but it's not something you're going to be doing every single turn. Like, this is something that you get to do, you know, once or twice a battle, usually, because uh, you're constantly recharging it. And then there is Arcane Cascade. So Arcane Cascade is an action. It's actually a stance that you can go into. So the requirements of Arcane Cascade is that you had to have just cast a spell or made a spell strike, right? So in order to go into the stance, you have to have done one of those actions. So you divert uh, a portion of the spell's magical power, and it gives you plus one extra damage moving forward. And then it will also change the type of damage you do. So depending on the spell that you cast, if it was necromancy, now you can do negative energy damage. If it was an enchantment, you could do mental damage, that kind of thing. Uh, but it's only one extra damage. Now that does go up. So once you get greater weapon specialization at like, I think level 15 or something, uh, it goes to three extra damage. Uh, just from being in a, a stance. But because of how the requirement is written, you could say that if your last action was not to cast a spell or make a spell strike, that you would leave the stance. Now, I don't think that it works that way, because that would just mean you're constantly using your last action to go into Arcane Cascade, and then you can't recharge your spell strike. And that just doesn't make sense to me. Well, you're saying that like you have to sustain your stance? Essentially. So with normal stances, you wouldn't need to. It's just the requirement section that reads like it kind of is. Yeah. The way I read that was just well, because you're using an action to enter the stance. Right. So you just have to do that before you can enter it. Once you're once you're in the stance, you're there until you're out of combat, which is how or you choose to exit it. Which is how stance. So that's how I think it's intended to be read, but the other way is crazy town, in yep. my opinion. But even yes. then, right? Even then, we've already talked about your first your first turn, right? You're fortunate; the enemy is right in front of you, uh, so you don't have to move. You spell strike, and then you go into arcane cascade. Well. Guess next turn you can't 
go you can't spell strike again because you used your last turn to go into his stance. So next turn, because you, you couldn't recharge, you're tough out of luck. The Magus is very heavy on actions. We we were talking about the sorcerer last week being, you know, even with the benefits that they get, are still pretty heavy on actions. They're nothing compared to the Magus. Well, um, but the summoner can, you know, use uh, minion rules or whatever the equivalent was for a summoner and get an extra exactly. action here or there. Right. Like, you know, you, you could use your first action next round to recharge, but you have to then have your target in front of you still, so you can't move. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is a little crazy, in my opinion. Uh, but once you kind of get that flow down, I think it, it can be pretty fun. So, yeah. Arcane Cascade, obviously there's going to be feats that make it better, but base, I'm not actually a huge fan. I just find it to be underwhelming. But that being said, it is comparable to, like, other classes who have, like, a similar function, right? Just a little bit extra damage to your hunt prey or whatever. Yeah, and... um you're, I know you're going to get to the hybrid studies in a second, but uh, some of those also, like, without feats, some of those add something extra to your arcane stance, arcane cascade. Well, let's go ahead and talk about that now. So the hybrid study is the type of Megas you are. So are you the laughing shadow? uh, Magus, right? Where you use uh, Dimension Door and Mirror Image. Uh, Are you the Starlit Span, which is my favorite Magus uh, hybrid study, right? That says uh, you can use your Spell Strike as a ranged attack. So you become a Spell Sniper. Ooh. An Arcane Archer. Kinda, yeah. Uh, and then, um, Sorry. some other ones. Go ahead. Does, does that work on projectiles of any length? So you're telling me that once I take that, I can just throw my greatsword across <laughs> the battlefield with sniper precision? I mean, only if your greatsword is a ranged weapon. Does not have a uh, I mean, I feel it's... like that's up to my strength, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know what? It can be a ranged weapon once. <laughs> You just have to walk across the battlefield to get it back. Right, and as a Megus, you don't have many actions to do that, so you may not want to throw that thing. (laughs) Just get some boots of far striding or something, you know? What was that spell that Nigel actually actually used to yeet his staff across the room once? Uh, Hand hand of the Apprentice. Could we somehow combine Mm -hmm. that with this? Oh, I, I mean, what you really need is you need like a returning rune on it, mm-hmm. so then you can yeet it and then just magic it back to your hand. Yeah. You just need somebody who's not me to allow you to do it. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow you to do that. It's not a ranged weapon. Do you understand what you would need in terms of balance to be able to just yeet a, a longsword down like the length of your yard? 
Like, that's insane! Immense determination. The will of a hero. <laughs> Just gotta be a champion. Come on, we can do it. You'd have to have, like, the apex item that increases your strength by two. Like, yes. you would have to have... All I can think about is the, uh, like, therapy bills that I would have to go through, through for my <laughs> shoulder after trying to yeet a freaking longsword. No. I thought you were going to say just the therapy bills for GMing the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> so I already have to pay that, so... <laughs> No. Oh, jeez. That's that's pretty funny, though. Uh, but anyway, and then my my second favorite, and I do hope, I'm really glad that you actually mentioned that wizard spell that Nigel used to cast, because I feel <laughs> like this is Nigel's jam. Uh, yep. It is the Twisting Tree. And it is all about taking your staff and beating the crap out of everybody with it. Yes. I I have opinions on the twisting tree. Oh, please share. Before I get into that though, I want to highlight the uh inexorable iron. Uh that is your himbo magus right there. Thank you, David. So the twisting tree. <sighs> okay. I love how I'm the first thing so was not even words. It was like an exasperated <laughs> sigh. Dude, I'm sitting here with popcorn, just like, oh yeah. <laughs> Where do I begin? Like, one, I I love it. This is everything I've ever wanted to do in a game ever. Okay, but but it's it's like they weren't sure if they were making a wizard or were they making a monk. I feel like this deserves the Am I a Man or a Muppet song, but with Am I a Wizard or a Monk? The answer is neither. You're a Magus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your, uh, your staff, normally if you wield it in one hand, it does 1d4. Now, this changes it so that it does a 1d6 damage die. Now, that actually matches what is in uh, 5e. And I remember that transition because I was disappointed when I saw that. But you also get um, your staff. It lengthens, twists, and reshapes, it says, gaining the parry, reach, and trip traits. Now, that mirrors, I believe, exactly what is the monk bow staff in Pathfinder. So why not just make it a bow staff, just have them have access to something that you already have. Oh, yeah, my general goof was just, why isn't this just the stuff that monks get? Why don't monks get this stuff? Mm. Why, why, why does the magus get to uh, hit harder with the staff while the uh, monks don't? Because they get access to the bow staff? Yeah, but also, like... Essentially, this this almost like giving it the parry, reach, and trip traits turns your staff into the bow staff. Mm. Uh, and then there's the conflux spell that you get there is spinning staff, which is just like you get to attack two people in your reach with your staff. Like, okay, that just sounds like monk stuff. 
I was hoping it was going to be like a go-go gadget helicopter situation. You know, I, I, I legit tried that once, both as a helicopter and as a method for blowing fog away, and it, it did not work either time. Wow, that's disappointing. Right. I also will say that I hate the first spell that they get. The studious spell at 7th level, you get magic mouth. Doesn't make any sense. I I have never, never used magic mouth in the entirety of any of my campaigns. I've never seen anyone use it. Yeah, same. David and I have seen someone use it before, but it was only was one. It, was it useful, though? It it was. Yeah, yeah it, it was. It saved our butts, but that was a, a weird one-off. It saved it's us from being killed by a situation. super vampire. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. By a super vampire. Like vampire. Super vampire. Yeah, it, it it was uh it was play test days, so mm. things were not balanced. Yeah. That's why there was a super vampire. Right. Oh, it was Strahd. Brandon ah, just yeah, brought yeah. Strahd into it. And uh he, he tried to transfer D D Strahd over to Pathfinder 2E playtest. So, he just about murdered us all with (laughs) one character at level 4, I think. Yeah, it It seems pretty sus. It was ridiculous. And it was Ian who saved us, sorry. That's it. Good guy, Ian. Mm -hmm. I, uh... I just really like all of the feats that kind of come out of Twisting Tree. But you're definitely right. It is not the strongest option. No, I I think, like, if I'm going to play this, I'm probably going to play the Twisting Tree. Because, it because again, it's like everything that I want to be out of, uh, you know, a, a Pathfinder character. It just angers me also as someone playing a monk as to why doesn't why can't my monk do these things? It, th- this is going to come up again. We, we can move on. <laughs> That's really funny. It's actually going to come up very quick if we're moving on to feats. Because it's the first feat. Not quite yet. So I do want to talk about uh, a couple other class features, right? Uh, progression kind of goes how you would expect it, it to. Um, at 7th level, you do get the studious spells, so that's the expanded spells for your hybrid class that we were just talking about. Uh, and then at 17th level, you finally get Master Spellcaster, but you're never going to be legendary. Now, last week with the Summoner, I took issue with that. For the summoner. I don't necessarily have a problem with that from the Magus, right? Because the Magus to me is this hybrid class. So they aren't going to be the absolute best spellcaster and they're not going to be the absolute best swordmaster, but they're going to be able to do things that neither one can, right? Which is cool. So I, I'm fine with them not getting legendary spellcasting. Uh, but they also get medium armor mastery. They never, like I said, get heavy. Uh, and then finally, at 19th level, your capstone ability 
double spell strike. Now, for those of you who have not read the ability yet, when I say double spell strike, what do you picture? Hitting someone with two spell strikes at the same time. Yeah, I was going to go like, you've, you're double wielding. Mm. So then you do, you do two strikes at the same time. Just it is neither one, one of those things. Dang it. Double it. <laughs> That's what I imagine. You know, I wish that all of you were right, because that is cooler than what it actually means. Oh, no. What it actually means, which is fine, it's fine. Uh, but when you that cast a spell... Fine. Yeah. When you cast a spell with spell strike, uh, the next time you spell strike, you can cast that exact same spell without expending a spell slot. So you can kind of chain a bunch. Like, if you know, I'm just going to keep casting Acid Splash, which is a terrible one, especially at 19th level, but what you got. Uh, you're going to just keep casting that, and you never have to stop. Uh, and you never expend a spell slot. So that's great, right? You're only going to get, like, four spells a day total ever. Uh, so being able to conserve slots is awesome. But I really wish you could expend, like, two spells at once. Like, if you yeah. double spell strike, I want to be able to hit something twice. Yeah, I feel like there should have been some sort of, like, reuse or, like, recycling or, like, continuation or, like, it's not double. Right. Or, or rename it. Need, it needs a better. It, need, it needs a better name. 100% agree. So, yeah, that is a, an overview of the Magus. So, let's talk feats. There's some really neat ones that I really like. David, you seemed very excited, so why don't you go first? <laughs> well, the very first one listed is Arcane Fists, which is, it's just the uh, Powerful Fists class feature from a monk. So, it's like, what monks you're saying get is, that. Right. Monks. Yeah. You should do a monk dedication. No. I had, I had, sorry, I, I had, I was going through the feet progression in my head. No, because you'd actually have to wait way longer to get this. Ah, uh, fair. Yeah, that is Bes fair. Besides, if if you're if you're doing the twisting tree, uh, Magus, you're already a monk anyway. So right, you're actually better than a monk. Uh... <laughs> okay, I said you're really you're you. really pushing the buttons, huh? Um, I'm trying. I, I'm trying to disagree with you. I'm trying very hard. <laughs> That's no. There's there's so many things that they can do, but it's still funny to me. Yep. So while we're on the level one feats, uh, I do want to uh, point out raise a tome <laughs> because <laughs> this is for my Mormon Magus librarian fight. That, I, uh, that I'm building in my head. So you raise a book up and you flip it open to defend yourself. And I can't tell if that is the most anime thing I've ever seen in my life no. or the most stupid thing that I've ever seen in my life. I would Maybe just, both. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like 
it would be great flavor to be able to determine what kind of book you're shielding with. I kind of assumed you would do it with your spell book, right? Uh, I think you do actually flavor it a little bit because there's a part of it that says like you can use uh, an action then to uh, identify a creature or something, and you get a, a bonus to that depending on the type of book that you're using. It gives you a bonus to a certain skill, I think, depending on the type of book that you put up. That is that is correct, actually. So it is oh, actually, uh, it does flavor it a little bit. Incredible. <laughs> so what you oh. need to collect is a bestiary. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just, but, oh, you, you raise a tome is when you raise your Pokedex and use it to uh, shield yourself. There you go. <laughs> We made yep, it. that's it. We did it, everyone. Anyway, then you would just constantly, as you come across creature types, you put them in your Pokédex. I hate slash love this. Um, That's not all that there is to this feat either, though. Because if you read on, if you have the, what, raise a shield skill or feat, mm-hmm, yeah. you can actually use it as an actual shield. And it'll get the like, the hardness, the health, the breaking threshold, and all that, so that it yep. will actually, if somebody Act hits you, yeah, it will share the damage with you. However, here's the bad part about that, Beth. In your experience, how many books do players usually keep on themselves? Uh, not many, like two or three at max. At max. How often does a wizard have maybe just their spell book on them? Pretty often, honestly. Yeah. So if you have like a new player playing Omegas with this feat, and they're just like, oh man, I have to save my hit points, raise that tome up in front of their face, and then somebody does enough damage to them, destroys their spell book. Rip, no more yeah, that'd spells. Be, that'd be pretty bad. I guess I can't do much but swing a sword now for a bit. That'd be a real big move as a GM. <laughs> yeah, mean, it would be. But also, they chose to raise their book up in front of their face. Right, <laughs> Listen, exactly. Your, ac- your actions have consequences. <laughs> I can only tell my players that so many times before mm-hmm. they eventually die. Just saying. So, it, it it it. I think it has some flavor, and I think could be neat. However, it I I think needs some more. <laughs> I don't think there's enough reason for me to want to raise that book up in front of my face to get it destroyed. So there are some feats that further that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to find them right now. That I know there was one that allowed you to like shielded tome. Yes. You can magically fuse a shield into your favorite book, uh, where it appears as elaborate bookmark. <clears throat> but it has some benefits oh my God. and stuff like that. I missed that part. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite part. You get a shield as a bookmark in your book. That's freaking <laughs> cool. That's it's actually dumb, hilarious. Now I I, like I, I thought that like you could you could make a really really interesting character if you tried to base it around that. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I just wanted a shield with like, like an actual metal shield, and then it's just got like a book on the back side of it, so you can read while you're taking <laughs> hits. I just wanted that. But no, no, that's actually way better. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's that's giving me nerd whose parents forced them to be a fighter. Yes. <laughs> like, no, that's incredible. Uh, I was going to say the other way around where your bookmark is a shield is really giving nerd who walked around reading like at the same time, right? Like walking and reading and then got <laughs> jumped and used the book to defend themselves. And now that's like their go to. Got a lot of childhood trauma going on in these uh, these <laughs> maguses here. A lot of nerds getting, you know, we're finding out a lot about ourselves right now. <laughs> Uh, says you. I already knew this about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so next I want to talk about the expansive spell strike feat. This is a second level feat. And I'm mad that this is a feat and not a class feature. Uh, because I feel like this feat is so good, you have to take it. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. It's okay. Peanut butter. Yeah, it's not working, so... I just um, realized I missed a really bad joke for that last bit. Could have said, man, talk about hitting the books. Ah! Uh, uh, yes! You missed my opportunity. Incredible. No, it. we'll get it in there. You said it on Thank recording. You. We'll get it in there. Thank you. You guys are terrible. All right, anyway, <laughs> moving on. So, expansive spells... And you hang out with us anyway. <laughs> that is, yeah, I do question that decision. Absolutely never, but, you know, sometimes. Expansive spell strike. I'm like, what was I talking about? Focus, Beth, focus. <laughs> Threw you uh, off so much. <laughs> it, you don't have to use a spell attack spell. You can just use any spell that can target a creature. So it, a harmful spell. That may have an area of effect, a cone, or a line. So there are some like special rules for it, but uh, I think personally that this should have been a class feature. I don't think you should have had a feat into this ability. Like, especially with how limited spell strike is anyway, I feel like if you just gave this to everybody at level three or five or something, you'd just be better off. But there's a philosophy, right, where most of your power comes through feats. Like, you don't have a ton of class features anymore. It's more customizable for feats. And I guess, like, with Spellstrike, it's, like, the one thing you do. This feat is so good, I don't understand why you wouldn't take it. And I hate feats that I feel like I have to take. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's no other, like, alternate paths that to be just as cool as taking this one. Right. Like, I just don't think your cantrips, like, like getting some additional cantrips is better than that. Enhanced familiar. Uh, spell parry is pretty good. But I just think that expansive spell strike is better. So, yeah, that's just my opinion. I will say it's awesome that uh, Magus get access to attacks of opportunity, uh, which I have decided 
is like my number one feat now for any of the mm-hmm. classes that can take it. Because everybody forgets how wonderful attacks of opportunity are. They're amazing. Especially Always when worth. players start forgetting that it's even mm-hmm. a thing that the GM can do. And right? then you just surprise us with it. No, 100%. It's like, oh, you're moving away from me? I freaking love it. Let's see, what was the next one that I wanted to talk about? Supreme Spell Strike. So I talked about Expansive Spell Strike. Then there was uh, Supreme Spell Strike, which pretty much just kind of puts Perma Haste on you. So it is a level 20 spell. And honestly, I just feel like this is a better capstone ability than Double Spell Strike. Uh, but you are permanently quickened. Nice. Permanently. Like, no no anything. You get an extra no, action no cap. at the start of your... Exactly. Now, you can only use that to strike or recharge spell strike. So you can't... It's not, like, an action that you can use to cast, like, a three-action spell or anything. Uh, so there is a little bit of a limitation to it, but that's fine. It's haste. However... At level 20, you're already, you know, essentially demigods. So, like... Yeah, I'm not sure how good, how much good that's going to do you there. I mean, at that point, you probably already have access to haste multiple different times. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things of, like, uh, I get this. I get how it's great. But I wish this was the level 19 capstone ability. And not double spell strike. But, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too harsh on double spell strike. You still have to recharge it. Mm-hmm. it. Anyway. Uh, and then, what was the other feat? There was one more feat I wanted to talk about. Oh, is it spirit sheet? Spirit sheet. I'm looking for it now. So, spirit sheet, I put it on the list. Spirit Sheath is basically uh, the, you have this extra dimensional pocket that you can create on your person and you can hide your weapon in it at any point. And that is fun for just being able to hide your weapons from your enemies. Gives you a plus two, I think, to uh, what is it? To sleight of hand or stealth for hiding it. The fun part of it, though, is like you can hide even something as big as like a great sword in your pocket. And what happens though, if somebody casts like uh, what was it? Dispel magic. Suddenly the, the pocket just rips open and your great sword just falls right onto the floor in front of your enemies. Oops. Uh, hey, that was kind of awkward. That's hilarious. You know what that <laughs> reminds me of? What? Uh, have you guys ever seen Steven Universe? Yes. yes. <laughs> Fantastic you know how, show. How the gems, I love that show. Uh, mm-hmm. That The gems pull their weapons out of their gems. That's exactly yes. what this is. Yes. You're absolutely mm-hmm. correct. <laughs> that is Please. awesome. But it, it's also not so not much it. like a, a super useful feat, but it's kind of just flavorful. 
Yeah, I was about to say, thematically, especially depending mm. on what kind of uh, campaign you're running, might be worth it. Mm -hmm. Now I want to make my Jim Sona into a Pathfinder character, so at least <laughs> there's that. That would be fun. Oh, jeez. Anyway. So, we've talked about uh, a lot of the feats. Let's briefly oh, touch on I... the Megas dedication. I got I got more oh. feats. Because, okay. <laughs> Go yep, ahead. Yep. The so okay. I'm gonna start. Uh, I'm gonna start with the ones that aren't just monk feats disguised as uh, uh, Megas feats first. So there's Striker's Scroll, which uh, allows you to use a, a spell on a, a magic scroll as a part of your spell strike, so you can kind of, like, expand your, you know, your spells that you could cast in a day, sort of, by having extra scrolls on hand. And I think you just affix it like a talisman or something. But then, uh, there's the one called Rapid Recharge, which every, not every, but most spellcasters have this uh, dis disappointing feat and I invite you to open it up and read it with me because you will, you will experience the highs and the lows of high school football of something you tap into an arcane trick to recover your whatever's you recharge your spell strike as a free action. That sounds super cool. That would be nice. I could, I could like, I could do it every round, but Oh, wait a second. Frequency. Once per day. Mm. Once per day, you can recharge your spell strike as a free action. Are you serious? That is a 10th level feat. Why? You're already limited <laughs> by the number of spells you can cast. Like, sure, you could do a cantrip, but cantrips aren't even that powerful. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hype, and then I die inside. <gasps> I don't want that. Okay, now on to the to the to the monk stuff. So uh, there is literally a feat called Student of the Staff. How how is how is the title of that not just a monk feat or like a monk, you know, subclass or whatever? It gives you like the crit specialization effect for your staff, and it gives your staff the deadly D six trait. Monks don't get that, and I'm upset about it. And then uh, lunging spell strike. Oh boy. Oh boy. Stall for time while I pull <laughs> up feet. It's a doozy. So, and th this this one's specific to the twisting tree hybrid study. Whatever. Your spell unwinds the structure of your staff to make it to make it exceptionally long. Make a spell strike with the staff with a spell that isn't a cantrip or focus spell. Increase the staff's reach by five feet times the spell level. Holy moly! That is the correct reaction. So you just... Suddenly that staff is 40 feet long, and you You're just, Groot! You, you are swinging Groot as a weapon. 
Like, you know that scene in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie where he made his arm super long and pierced all those people and then banged them against the wall? It's that. Only a yep. spell. Yep. Holy moly. I missed that one when I was uh, looking through the feats. And, and that is also a 10th level feat. That is equivalent to once a day a free recharge in the mind of Paizo developers. Come on. Yeah. Highly disagree. I just don't. Uh, th- this one has got to be something into... we're not understanding. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like I'm not getting it. I don't know. How, how powerful is it that you need to recharge it that much? I mean, I, I get that, like, you don't want them to let it, want to just have them do it unlimited, but like, once a minute. I don't know. That gets into the whole like daily powers uh, or combat powers of fourth ed, you know? I don't yep. know. I I just think that I, 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 I'm with you. Like, I don't particularly like how the recharge mechanic works. Yep. Same for quickened casting for spellcasters. Okay, I stepped down off my soapbox. <laughs> I understand it. It's all good. Uh, so let's talk Magus dedication. So last week we talked about the sorcerer, or what am I talking about? The summoner dedication. And I forgot to mention, well, it's not that I was for- forgot. We were already on like a two-hour episode. <laughs> so I kind of skipped over it. Uh, but the summoner and the Magus are a... Bonded spellcasting archetype. So what that means is it's kind of that wave casting only in feet form. So other other than that, it's the same as a regular dedication, right? You could very much compare the basic magus to the basic wizard. Uh, And the, the actual dedication, the first dedication feat is almost exactly the same. Right. It's just when you get into this the bonded. So when you take the basic bonded spellcasting feat for the Magus, you uh, you get a first level spell slot and a second level spell slot. That's just two spells. And then at tenth level, you get you replace your first level with a third. So that's the, the wave casting. But it's at sixth level. If you compare that to the wizard, they get that at fourth level. And they get to keep that feat. Or, or that spell, I mean. With this, you lose your first level speed to gain that third level. To get that wave casting bit. This is the same way that sorcerer works, too. So if you take a magus as a dedication, you would have to take the dedication spell... Or feet. Hold on, let me bring up the dedication real quick. You would have to take one of the level four feats. Now, mind you, there are four of them, so at least there's that. Uh, And you can get a kind of weaker version of spell strike. But you wouldn't actually get spells until sixth level. Ah! I hate it. 
and especially hate it for the the summoner. But even for the Magus, not a huge fan. I do not think that the Magus dedication is worth it, in my opinion. Which is really sad because I thought I I uh the spell striker ability was going to be worth it, but you know how you were talking about the once a minute thing, David. If you get the spell striker archetype feat, it does. That's how long it takes. So you can only ever use it uh, once per battle because you have to oh. recharge it as a minute. Right, right. Yeah. So, like, it's legit. That's just like once per uh, encounter. Right. Yeah. No, it legit is because you. there's no way you're going to, you know, go out of combat and recharge that ability. It's just wild to me. But I will say we have a character in our Strength of Thousand games who took the Megas archetype. Um, so I wonder if at fourth level they're going to take Spell Striker. I don't know what else you'd take at fourth level. Um, I actually think that he might have taken a Megas feat, but I don't know what feat he took. I need to check with him. Yeah, or or there's the one that gets you your conflict spell if you really like the look of that conflict spell. Depending on which conflict spell. Uh, I mean, we've already talked about how you're not a huge fan of uh, spinning staff. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm I'm a hu- I'm a huge fan of it. I'm just uh, as a monk player, I'm angry that I don't get some of that stuff. I think that's fair. So yeah, that is what a bonded spellcaster is. Uh, The dedication does have some cool stuff, but for the most part, I would say if you're looking for spellcasting to augment like a fighter character, I would almost recommend going uh, wizard instead. So let's talk ancestry options. Because they're are some interesting ancestry options, right? Like, you could automatically go with any of the decks or strength, right? Because you're you're going to want to build for decks, right? But you also don't want a penalty to intelligence. So the first off, right away, the first ancestry I go to is elf, right? You get a dexterity bonus and an intelligence bonus. Now, you get a constitution flaw, and that stinks, right? But I what I think what you should be more upset with if you pick elf is that you're basic. Oh, elves are basic. Bad. No, basic. elves are basic. More basic than it's a just human? how it is. Yeah, I was gonna say than uh, more so than humans. So yes, but only because humans are also basic, but also a very good choice, because humans always have some of the best feats, and some of the best options. Like, Pathfinder uh, 2, aren't uh, elves aliens, though? Well, Pathfinder in Galarian, general. I mean, thousands and thousands of years ago, but yes. It's super basic. Elves are basic. I don't care who you are. Aliens, super basic, I tell you. I mean, okay, but <clears throat> but can I pause it? If we could simply make hybrids 
uh, out of things that didn't have to be half human. <laughs> Replace that half human with a half elf. I want to see a half elf, a half orc situation. Be cute. That would be a house rule, but I do kind of like it. So what you Thank would take you. is the elf, but then the half orc heritage. But I do like it. That would not be basic. I would say that right now. I would want to be that person's friend. Half elf, half orc. <laughs> hell yes. Not basic. Also would be a good magus. And legitimately, yes. you could like build that into your storyline, right? Like your mother's side. Your mother was an elf and she taught you the ways of her people and magic and shit. And on your dad's side, uh, he taught you war and fighting. Or the other way around, like the orcs could have ta- taught you magic. Doesn't matter. Uh, you, yeah, you, you say that. You say this, um, uh, Beth. Do you have the actual PDF open? Uh, yeah. Uh, go to page forty-eight. You're talking about uh, spells and magic, or secrets of magic? I mean, yes, secrets of magic. Yeah. Uh, go to page forty-eight. I'm going to copy this into uh, chat for everybody else. I mean, yes. Uh, it. Is that not half work, half elf? It kind of looks like it. So, the, so the this is the uh, sample magus spell sniper, uh, and it looks like a femme presenting half elf, half orc, right? Because especially because of the ears. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, the, the ears give you elf, and the face and the mm-hmm. teeth give you orc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that booty yeah. is giving me heart palpitations. <laughs> Girl, you're not the only one. Exactly, right? I'm telling you, some days I really think we're the horniest Pathfinder podcast. Listen, I love that all <laughs> Pathfinder art is can be objectified. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I love that yes. for us. Except as a rule. Not flesh orbs. Nope, not doing it. You know what? <laughs> Fair, but I'm sure someone disagrees with oh, you. Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, true. There's a there's a group out there, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yes, uh, she she does particularly uh, look like half elf, half orc, and I, I had nothing against it. I think that would be so cool. Uh, hell yes. However, uh, oh, I also wanted to mention Kitsune could be really fun, right? You could mm. play into that natural magic that the Kitsune have anyway and kind of play up that with Magus, right? But I have to I have to talk about a- after we had our uh four leshies in a trench coat last week. I do have to say that Leshy would also make a really great Vegas. So I agree. Now I know you're telling me. I want to know why. Yeah, (laughs) I I know you're telling me they have an intelligence flaw, Beth. That's dumb. And yeah, you're right. But also, I just really want a Leshy of the (laughs) Twisting Tree study. Who the staff that they use is actually their own limbs. That could be interesting. 
Oh man, different could, right? line. could you combine seed pod and spell strike? Yes, and that is my what I was going to bring up. Because if you go that what was it starlet route uh, yeah. with the ranged attack, ranged ranged yeah. unarmed attack or yeah. range ranged weapon. So you could spit spells at people. <laughs> Okay, and legit- I love legitimately that. Legitimately, that's fun. <laughs> I, yep, I love it. Uh, I, I don't know if this works mechanically, but um, what about uh, Tengu? I, I, mm-hmm. I think flavor-wise, I love it. I have no idea whether it oh, works. for sure. Mechanically. Yeah, I don't see why not. Man, because then you could cast spells with your beak. <laughs> Because you have sharp beak, right? So that's uh, an unarmed attack. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, ab- ability boosts are dex and free. So that, that is an option. That's good. And, and no flaw, right? No flaw. So you're, I mean, you could use that, f- that free for intelligence and you don't get a negative at all. Actually, I, th- I think Tengu would be pretty great. Let me look at the heritages real quick. Yeah, there's some good heritages that I think could really fit in here, too. Not the Wave Diver. The Wave Diver is one of the more weak um, ancestries. You get a swim speed. When does a swim speed come up? Come on. In a pirate campaign. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like, there's definitely campaigns that it, it comes up. But they're usually pretty specialized, or it like comes mm-hmm. up once at second level as right. you have to swim through a cave, and that's like it. Like I can't think of any other like legitimate reasons. But no, that I like that one actually. I think Tengu might fit better even than uh, Kitsune. I still think elves are the best, but who wants to play elves again? You're basic. I do usually reserve that insult for David when he says human, so. Mm. I, but I, I, but I feel like, I, I feel like he, human is inside the box, but elf is like you're outside the box, but you are mushed up against the side of the box. No, yeah, like elves are definitely like the person who's like, listen, I'm not basic, but they actually secretly are basic. Like, yeah. They're in denial about being basic. Yeah. That's how I feel about elves. And I've always had that, by the way. I've kind of always had a hang-up about elves. It is very rare that I actually play an elf character. Because I just find them... uh, Not my bag. We'll just say that. It's just not my bag. Which is fair. Eternal beings who think they're better than everybody else. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. No bags of elfing for Beth. No, nope. exactly. So that leads us all the way back to first edition. And I actually kind of had trouble with this section. Uh, because honestly, I feel like they've done a pretty good job of recreating the Magus. Now, again, we didn't have wave casting. So you know, a, a a true Magus in first edition, which is what they were called at level 20, would have gotten five spell, five spells per day, all the way up to sixth level. 
So five first levels, second, third, so on. So they were what was called a, a quartercaster. Uh, spell strike was a thing. It was very uh, similar, although uh, it limited it. Instead of saying you can only target one person, the spell had to have the range of touch. Now, again, feats augmented that, but yeah. The one thing that I will say that Pathfinder 1 beats out is obviously class features, because Pathfinder 1 was much heavier on the class features part, but also uh, they got heavy armor at level 13. Now, you could feed into heavy armor, right? You could always pick up that feat, but I just feel like you probably won't. And they may not need it, but I really think that, I don't know, I, I think you benefit from it, uh, getting uh, heavy armor. So I just wish that they could have gotten it later as a, a feature. But maybe I'm just being nostalgic for class features. It kind of sounds like it. But other than that, uh, the uh, first edition Magus, honestly, they did a pretty good job. That being said, I am not a huge fan of the Magus. Uh, first edition or second, I, I do typically like the second edition better one better, but at the same time, your your action economy is rough. And I think that's my biggest complaint. And why I have to give it a pretty low score of six bests out of ten. That is low. Ooh. I think that's the lowest so far. Might be. Maybe not investigator, I can't remember. I'd have to go back and listen. Legitimately, though, it's just really not one of my favorites. Yeah. That being said, though, there's other people who love it, right? And they they can't get enough of it. And there's some people who really like the wave casting for the Magus. I think it's less popular for the Sorcerer, but uh, some people really like it for the Magus. So, you know, I'm not saying that it's terrible, but it's just not my thing. What do you guys think? Champion's amazing. <laughs> Knew that was coming. <laughs> I didn't want to just leave it out there. Come on. That's fair. That's I, fair. I, I feel like this is one that uh, I would really like to play for a short campaign. No, Ooh, nothing yeah. that I'd, that I, that oh. I'd want to spend a lot of time on because I think I'd get bored. Oh, that's fair. I agree with that. But it's one of those things that you could try out the rhythm of it and then, like, decide if you like it or not. And then kind of leave it and say, okay, I did that. It was fun. Now I'm done. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I can yep. go with that. I Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just really excited to make Himbo Magic Sword Boy. So I <laughs> would probably rate this pretty highly. But then again, it is. Uh, I would rate it highly until I have to play it probably mm -hmm. so i i think i'm with david on this one where like i'd love to play it for like a short amount of time just to get a feel for it mm -hmm. and see if there are any ways that you can sort of weasel out of those disadvantages 
You know what? That's fair. And then if you fall in love with it, you could pick it up for a bigger campaign. Right. No, absolutely. I think overall I would say Megus. Megusta. <laughs> okay. All right. I think on that note, Chad, take us out. Uh, so there you have it, folks. I am so sorry that we were confused and talked to you about the lesser Magus rather than the champion. I'm so sorry. Hey, <laughs> if I have angered you in any way by talking up the champion over the Magus, please, please let us know. We'd actually love to hear what you have to think about the Magus. Uh, real soon, we will introduce an, an, our, new, our new podcast called Chad's Champion Corner. <laughs> we'll just have a segment every every episode where Chad can talk about the champion. All it will be is champion rules, and then that's all. That's it. That's all I got. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But for now, I'm gonna go sing the champion's praises, and until next time, dice don't die. But player characters do. Champion is awesome. The very best class. If you don't like it, <laughs> you can kiss my... Thanks for listening to Dice Don't Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dice Don't Die. Or email us at DiceDon'tDiePod at gmail.com. The intro and outro song, Crunk Night, were created by Kevin McLeod. More of his work, and the work of many others, can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.